peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. Good morning. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us today. We are delighted that you are here with us. There is a friendship pad on each row. It is a black folder that's near the center aisle, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out and pass it along so that uh, everybody else can sign in too and let us know that they're here. We are very delighted to welcome today our interim pastor, Reverend Dr. Gareth Eisnogel, who is going to be with us for several years. Gareth, would you introduce your family to us? I have a portion of my family here. Uh, my wife, my daughters, and my son-in-law and my granddaughter are all hiding among you. <laughs> They're right there, waving. A whole row. Uh, and what's your granddaughter's name? That's Amelia. And, and em Amelia calls me Big G. Amelia, is this Big G? Uh, that's great. We're so glad that you're here. Please introduce yourself to them and to Gareth out on the patio at the end of the service. You've got to remember, they've got a lot of names to learn, so just introduce them. To, say your name over and over every time you see them, and they'll learn you eventually. But it's a hard deal. We all know one another. They don't know you yet, but they're learning. Yeah. You can see the announcements of the things that are going on in the life of the church. If you are considering going on the Greece trip, today is the deadline for the deposit, and there are instructions in here about how you can do that online today. Uh, also, if you want to fly with us, how you can do the airfare deposit online. We have a women's Bible study that is beginning this Wednesday that Judy Bell is leading. It is studying the life of the Apostle Paul. You can sign up for that on the patio and get the book that you will be using for the study, and I think there's a part you need to read before Wednesday, so you probably want to get that today out on the patio. And our 325 uh, club, that is our homework club that is on Monday afternoons, still has room. So if you have a child from first to fifth grades, yes, and it has a little bit of room. I'm seeing this, a little bit of room. If you have a child from first to fifth grade, squeeze them in that little bit of room by registering, and information about how to register is here. On this coming Friday, our third Friday group invites you to join them to hear Rob Verdi, who calls himself Saxophobia. He has a collection of over 200 unusual saxophones, and he will be bringing some of them and playing them. He's a great performer and will also be having a potluck dinner. It helps us if you sign up out on the patio so that we can set the right number of tables and know how many are coming for that. And also at the end of this month, September 30th, the last Sunday night of the month, we are hosting an AWE, which is an at-home hospitality hour. It's a chance to meet other people in the congregation. You bring an appetizer to share and whatever you want to drink, and you share it with one another. It is in a home that is in three arch bays, so that's a gated community. So we need you to sign up this week or next week so we can get the names to the gate. By that morning, it will be too late to sign up. So if you sign up today or next week, that will help us. They are on the patio, too. And also, one of our deacons, Jan Feldberg, went to be with the Lord this last Saturday. And so uh, her service is going to be it, where her family uh, is from, in the Midwest, and it will be a private family service. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray together. It is good to be in your presence, Almighty God. For we know you through Jesus, who has come to be in our presence, 
that we might be present with each other and present with you in worship. And so we give thanks and we enter into these moments of praise knowing full well that you are with us in all moments, no matter how difficult. And so carry us now in this service out into real life through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Please join me for our call to worship. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom for his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Let us stand and worship the living God. I sing the mighty power of God. Oh, let's sing, church. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and filled the lofty skies. But I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day, the moon shines full at his encourage our souls to sing this morning, church. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Amen. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Oh, 
psalmist declares, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. We gather as a community in need of a savior. We offer our honest confession in faith and trust in our covenant God, knowing that God hears our voice. And so let us pray responsively. El Shaddai, God Almighty, we have failed to serve you faithfully. Our lives are anything but blameless. You invite us to see with a new vision, but we continue in our old ways. You call us to set aside our own desires so that we may embrace your desires, but we are stubborn and refuse to let go. Lord, rebuke our shameful ways. Guide us to find our place directly behind Christ. Teach us to take up our cross and follow you wherever you may lead. And so hear now the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. My friends, hear the good news. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen. Amen. Well, as you know, the new school year is upon us. 
and we would like to pray for our preschool and our Sunday school teachers. And so I would like to invite up Ann Herzog, our preschool director, Gail Anadera, one of our children's directors. Is Maggie or Jerry here too? There's Jerry. Jerry Machen, come on up. And I'd like to invite up Abby Garcia to come on up here with me as they represent our preschool, our children's ministries, and our student ministries. And if you are a preschool teacher and staff, as well as Sunday school teacher, we'd like you to stand in place so we can pray for you. There's Maggie Craig. Great. Back there. Great. And we are very thankful for the ministries that all of our our preschool and our Sunday school provide. I just got my oldest son to Australia to start school uh, this last week, and my youngest son just started Point Loma. And as I was on the plane home from Australia, I thought to myself how thankful I am for our preschool and our Sunday school program that has helped lay the foundations of faith for my sons and for all the children and youth that we have seen come through our ministries. And so we are thankful for you and looking forward to this new year of ministry. So let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, from whom comes all that is good, we praise you for all your mercies, for your goodness that has created us, your grace that has sustained us, your wisdom that has challenged us, and your love that has redeemed us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For our preschool and for our Sunday school teachers and staff, as they begin this new school year, we pray that you would bless them as they use their time, talents, and gifts to share your word, your knowledge, and love, to encourage and support their students and, of course, their parents, and to help these children along in growth, development, and faith. We pray that you would empower them each and every day with your strength and endurance, and may they each work together as a vibrant team. We thank you for their willingness to serve, and we ask that you'd bless them now in Jesus' name. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.
just have to double check to make sure it's my time to come up. Sometimes I've stood in a worship service and I've been signaled, not now. This text is the pivotal text in the gospel. It is a text that is full of conundrum and disagreement. If people don't disagree about this text, they're not in touch with reality. Well, we say that's all about Jesus being the Christ. Yeah, from the beginning of that statement, there was controversy. There continues to be controversy today. And Jesus in no way tried to put that controversy away. So let us hear from Mark chapter 8. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And Jesus sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He said all of this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Thank you, gracious God, that you have sent Jesus to be your word, to live among us, to be one of us, that we might hear and see and understand. And you have given us the gift of your spirit that we might know in new and deeper ways what it means to follow Jesus as the Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen.
about a month ago in Dallas, Texas, a young man, a favored young man, graduate of Juilliard, brilliant in computers, riding his motorcycle on the outer loop of Dallas, was killed immediately in an accident. He had grown up at the First Presbyterian Church of Dallas, from whence I've just come. He was the hope of his parents and many who were his friends. He was the brilliant, loved, special friend and child of the family. And he was gone just like that. His mother, who had always nurtured him in his specialness, realized how smart and talented he was at a young age and had sacrificed a lot for him. She was inconsolable, absolutely beyond anyone able to speak to her. The only thing I could do is to stand with her and hold her while she wept bitterly. And isn't that the point? When all else fails, there's someone to stand with us in the midst of our darkest moments to be with us when there are no words, nothing makes sense, there are no easy answers, and the last thing you want to talk about is a great God. She was consoled only by the vulnerability of the humanity around her, and even then, she was inconsolable. At the heart of this declaration by Peter is the historic struggle over the very nature of Jesus. Is Jesus God, or is Jesus a man? And of course, the way we've answered this in history is, Jesus is God and Jesus is a man. But every generation tends to accent one side or the other. Jesus is the Christ, the resurrected one. Let's celebrate and sing. Have we not already done that this morning? That's not a bad thing to do. But when darkness takes over, that's often not the thing that helps. We may be singing, but we're singing through the grief and the pain. And we may not be singing songs of praise, but songs of lament. From the very beginning of Jesus being identified as the Christ, he wants to correct us. Because the temptation on the part of Peter is to think that this Christ is the exalted one, the Messiah, the one who's going to liberate Israel to eliminate Rome as a power in their lives and make everything right. This Christ will be victorious. This Christ is a winner. And after all, we like to be around winners. You hope that your new interim pastor is a winner. And if I walk with this view of Jesus, I would be a loser. Wow. Follow Jesus and you'll lose too. 
Welcome to discipleship. And this is one of the reasons why many, many people who followed Jesus fell away. According to the Gospel of John, they heard these hard teachings of Jesus and they said, enough, we're out of here. We don't want anything of it. This is the reason why most churches today and in history deal with the first part of discipleship, climbing up the mountain, all the positive energy, the healings and the feedings, and Jesus' wonderful teachings. But when it comes to what Jesus says now and going down the mountain to the cross, we don't want anything to do with that. That's really too much vulnerability and lostness and victimization. There are whole theologies written about you can't accept Jesus as the victim. But Jesus defines himself from the very beginning with the disciples as the Christ who must suffer, who must be rejected, who must be killed, who must die, and then be raised. And by the way, the word and be raised is a little phrase at the end. It's not a big accented statement. You notice the emphasis here is on Jesus' humanity and vulnerability. Oh, by the way, Jesus will be raised. Now, we Protestants like it the other way around. You see, those Catholics have spent too much time with Jesus in his pain and suffering on the cross. We don't have Jesus on the cross. We're over that. We're beyond that. We're happy resurrection people. So nobody be sad. Nobody be in darkness. Nobody be hurting. That's why the health and wealth gospel is so popular. You will be successful if you follow Jesus. You will be a person who gains wealth. You will be a person of prosperity. And there's some truth to it. And deep down inside, isn't that what we quietly all want? That's the Jesus we want to follow. But the Jesus that articulates himself here, in contrast to Peter's expectation, is the Jesus who becomes immediately a downer. And Peter wants nothing of it. Now, my sense is we all have to stop for a moment and identify with Peter. And somewhere in our own hearts, when we look at what Jesus says here, we're like Peter. Lord, that's not what you are about. That's not what we want. That's not what we need. You're going to be a winner. Get that right. Messiahs win, they don't lose. Messiahs conquer. They don't, aren't killed by their enemies. And we kind of identify with Peter. Peter speaks for all of us. Lord, you didn't get that right. And the reason we identify with it is because there's something within us, according to Ernst Becker, who wrote The Denial of Death, that kind of yearns for the heroic to come in and save us and relieve us from all the pain and suffering of all the mean people in the world. And we want that to happen sooner rather than later. And this is the number one reason, by the way, that Jesus is rejected 
by many conservative and orthodox Jewish people today. Because Jesus was never enough of a winner, he died. Messiah doesn't die. Messiah reigns forever and ever. Now understand the context of where they were. Jesus has been doing most of his ministry in Galilee, which is 700 feet below sea level. And he has taken the disciples up the mountainside, probably to the southwestern side of Mount Hermon, to one of the highest village areas in that region, called Caesarea Philippi, which is almost 1,200 feet above sea level. So there's They've really gone 2,000 feet up. And Jesus is taking them up there because he wants to show them something. And really there are two things that happen at that high ground. One, one is Jesus' conversation here in Caesarea Philippi, and the other one is Jesus taking it up to a higher part of the mountain where there's a transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. We'll talk about that another time. Jesus has taken them to high ground. And you know, when we go to high ground, what our expectations are, our expectations tend to become higher expectations. There's a geography to the gospel. There are whole songs about you wanting to hang out in mountaintops and high grounds because that's where Jesus goes. And Jesus is up there saying, This is a really good view, and I want you to enjoy it, but I want you to understand it's downhill from here on. It's a little bit like someone at midlife telling you, it's downhill from here on. And we do almost everything we can as human beings to say, oh, oh, it can't be right. We're going to try to make it. We're going to live, and we're going to be as young, and we're going to be as vibrant as long as possible. Jesus wants to be very clear that he is the Christ that enters into suffering, that makes himself vulnerable to enemies who will make him suffer, who will reject him and will kill him on a cross as a criminal. Nobody here wants to die as a criminal. And yet Jesus' very model says, Disciples, I invite you to come and follow me and to die as a criminal. Bonhoeffer made a big deal out of this in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, saying, we don't like this theology. And of course, in Nazi Germany, he knew that he was probably going to be the one that followed Jesus to death. And so there's something anti-American about this text. Don't we want to be great again? Don't we want to be the best and rise to the top? That's the same expectation Peter had. Oh, Jesus, you have come to make us great again. And Jesus' leadership says, don't tell anybody that. Well, there's there's a political statement for you. Don't tell anybody that. It's called the messianic secret. 
I don't want you to tell people that I'm the Messiah that makes everything good and great. Here's what I really want you to tell them. And he openly taught in front of the whole crowd, this Messiah is going to go and suffer and be rejected and die. Now here's the good news in this. There are great moments in life where we need someone to be with us when we suffer and feel rejected and are facing death. In those dark moments, we need to know that there's a God who can really be with us in the murkiness and ugliness and the harshness of life. And this is the great news about the Christ that we follow that has been resurrected. Resurrected eternally as the suffering servant who teaches us every day what it means to walk in that hard pathway, those tough teachings that we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. You know, there's a bit of an irony in terms of the school year and everything getting started in the fall. Everybody wants to come to church and experience it as an up place. And the liturgical year has this with the hardest teachings of Jesus. Welcome to church. We're going to tell you how bad it's going to get. That's not a good way to start off the school year. Welcome to the kickoff game. Your team's going to lose the next 12 games. We don't like that. And so part of our struggle is the same struggle Peter had when he said to Jesus, Jesus, this isn't right. This is bad theology. And Jesus immediately, and this is not nice language, so understand how radical this language is. Get behind me, Satan. Or as the way we put it in contemporary language, get the hell out of my face. Don't you dare try to change my theology. The theology is the theology that moves us in to be able to be with each other in the suffering and the pain and the darkness of life. And then Jesus goes on to say, that's what makes us great. I hear God calling. Do you hear God calling? When we, read, when we sing these hymns that we've sung today, I want you to see that this last song that we sang, which is 10,000 Reasons, the last song of praise, which is a wonderful up song of celebration based upon Psalm 103, has a very strong last verse in it. And the last verse is an accent on our vulnerability and our dyingness and, our, and the difficulty of life. And on the day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. We sing in the midst of the pain because we know Jesus has been there first and that God is a God who has become one of us all the way 
into death. A very human Messiah. A very accessible Christ. And that ought to set us in emotion as the kind of people we need to be when nothing else works and all you can do is be another human being with a human being in a lot of pain. And that may be the only comfort they have because for them, God is dead. God is irrelevant. The only thing that counts is the real flesh of another person who cares. And that's Jesus. Because he's been there, done that. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the Christ, that you're not the Christ of victory and winning, not for this world. You are the Christ of suffering and loss. And because you were resurrected, you were lifted up after that. We know we can get through the pain because we have a hope that life will be better even beyond this world. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for this gift and for the right theology that you are human and that you understand the depth of our humanity. Amen. Please stand as we affirm our faith together. You'll find printed in your bulletin. Please join me. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain, and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the ushers forward now. To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame and do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long.
this song. You can sing it with us if you'd like to. Show me your stand as we sing the doxology. Praise you, God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, Would you be seated, please? O oh Lord, we give you thanks that in Jesus Christ you enter into the vulnerability and pain of our world, that you draw close to our powerlessness. You stand with us in our darkest times. And so listen this day for the groans and yearnings of your world. For even nature longs for the wholeness and healing which only you can bring. For the day when there will be no more hurricanes, no more flooding, no more famine, no more disease. Have mercy today on all who've been affected by the hurricanes and typhoons, some who are still in the path of danger. Give safety, give shelter, Give courage as they face their great loss. Give us grace to stand in your name with those whose bodies are racked with disease and pain, those whose minds are anxious, those whose failures overwhelm, 
those whose relationships are breaking, those who face great temptation. And so we bring you these gifts, asking that you will use them, and that you will use us for your purposes in this world, even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, Father, who art art in heaven, hallowed hallowed be thy thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. secret Jesus wanted us to understand was that he is present with us in the dark places, the hard places, so that we, in fact, can have access to the good and the hopeful and the glorious that we've just sung about, but that that all comes about because they've been willing to go through the pain. No glory without the pain. And so the great gift that Jesus gives us as Messiah is to make us disciples who can be with other people while they're going through the hardest stuff and they can be with us. And then people will see the depth of the true messianic secret. It's a God who doesn't abandon me in the darkest moments. So go with the grace, mercy, and love of Jesus the Christ who will be with you no matter how tough it gets. Amen.